Hello, and welcome to Confidently Wrong, a show by regular dudes talking with confidence about content we have no right to speak about with any kind of authority, but do it anyway. I'm Wesley Nakamura, and as always, I'm joined by Mike Smith, award-winning director Brian Redondo, and Savon Jones, a.k.a. Captain Vonnie. This is episode 34, and on today's show, Mike brings us a new segment that I enjoyed immensely, and we look back at Loki and the state of MCU's Disney Plus shows so far. I'm confident that it's going to be the best show you've ever listened to, and well, hey, if it's not, you can always ask us for a refund. Someone play around in Garage Band creates a little. Different. I have a friend who does that. He might be worth getting oh. to do a jingle. Okay. All right. How much we got to pay him? Can we pay know. him in like Popeyes? I don't Can we pay him in shout outs on the podcast no one listens to? <laughs> I don't know. I'll, I'll talk to him. Okay. All right. All right. He might, he might take money, but I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> he might take money. He probably takes money. Most people take money. All right. Except the anti capitalists. 1024. Let's what go. What do they take? Okay. Um, what do anti capitalists take? Drugs. Yeah, there's a better joke in there somewhere. <laughs> All right. Well, welcome back to the oh wiki. government handouts. That's what they take. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Welfare. <laughs> welcome to the new uh, Freedom Party podcast. That's what we're calling this. Um, we're getting into our first segment, and this is going to become a recurring segment. It won't be every week but it'll be fun. Um, little ones, close your ears because this segment from known hater, Mikhail Smith, is called Shit Mike Hates. So Mike, what is the shit that you're hating this week? All right, so let me paint this picture for y'all here. So, you know, I think it's been pretty clear from 35 episodes that, or 34 episodes, that I am not immune to hype. Um, I typically buy into hype. I project hype. I am hype. <laughs> the typically this works well, and things that people enjoy, I enjoy to a, a more intense degree. So that's cool. But there is a, a dark side of this, another side of a coin per se. It's that when I get hyped about something, or people in my life whose opinions I typically agree with get hyped about something, and then I cannot get into it. I typically just try and keep watching or playing and just like I'm going to get into it eventually. And it is a really frustrating feeling. What I'm experiencing that now is BoJack Horseman. Do you the think Bo- it's a form of FOMO almost? I don't know if it's like FOMO because it's like I don't really I'm not thinking about like other people. It's just like I want to like this and I don't like it. So maybe it's like is deep seated FOMO. Um, <laughs> but I really don't know. I think I think it's more so a projection of just me consistently being hyped about things or, you know, really going <laughs> right. from one end of the spectrum to the other. Yeah. I have it's kept like going- watching this show. Like so many people love this show, like almost like it at the Rick and Morty level, like we were talking about. Like I do feel like people feel that way about this show and that like and I think this show does try more than Rick and Morty to like have a deeper meaning. Like 
my friend, our friend Alan came in while I was watching it one time. He was like, "Oh, you're watching the Depression Show, huh?" <laughs> and then everybody's right. like, "Oh, it's not really a comedy. Like it's, but like I just, it just doesn't click for me. I don't know what it is. Like, there's a lot going on in the show. Like, there's obviously the animal parts of it, and I'm not going to explain the premise because it's been out forever. It's really popular. The animal stuff, okay, that's kind of weird. The Hollywood stuff, okay, that's kind of weird. And then like all the really sad depression addiction kind of stuff. And for some reason, like the intersection of those three things, it just doesn't do it for me. And I'm about like seven episodes in. I'm also someone that is always like, you got to give it a few episodes. Breaking Bad, Game of Thrones. You got to give it a second. I gave it a second. I It's just not clicking for me. Like so many people I really am down with like love this show and it's really irritating to me because I love sad shit. Everybody knows that about me. I'm a known sad boy. Why is this not working for me? Like what is wrong with me that this sad show is either too sad or not sad enough? I I just don't get it and I'm getting worked up. So what I wanted to hear was from y'all, have you ever had an experience? And I'm not just talking about like, I want to like it, but I can't, but that I am keep ham-fisting it into my brain out of an effort to like it. Um, Wes, I think you had one that yeah, you're so probably going to get ripped for. <laughs> no way. Uh, I, this is very clearly the same idea. So, Except it's not with shows, because I do, I think, give up on shows. Like, I never gave Breaking Bad a real chance. I think I stopped after Ugh. episode one. Uh, Dang, bro. Yeah. I mean, I just, I can't I can't get into it. I, Succession, I think, we, I, I did give Succession a try, but I think I still only gave it, like, three or four episodes. And I'm, I'm just like, I can't keep watching this show that, like, makes me feel uh, like I need to clean myself in bleach after every episode. It's but just... that's different because you don't feel like you should like that show. Like, I'm pretty sure I said success when I was talking about Succession, I'm like, that is not a Wesley show. In fact, well, like half I think the... I started watching. Yeah, but I started watching before you had talked about okay. it. Okay. Um, but you but got pulled you in by me. the zeitgeist. Is what but yeah. I'm talking specifically something you want to like, something you are okay. trying to like, you are putting in the hours, and you are not getting any return here. <laughs> it aligns to so I got a good example. So uh, I bought some running shoes about... A year ago, well, maybe maybe like eight months ago. It doesn't matter the time. The point is, I bought some Asics. Uh, I went to the running store, and I was like, "Guys, I'm in these shoes. I think they're called the GT 2000s. Uh, they're called the Seven because it's the seventh model. Uh, can I just get these? They work. Uh, they're good for me." And they're like, "Well, you know, we don't really stock that one. We tend to find that like for the same kind of shoe, we actually get better durability and performance from this other shoe." Uh, it's a little bit more expensive. Same brand, everything. It's called the, you know, Gel Cayenne or whatever. Da, 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 da. I'm like, fine. So I try it on and it seems fine. Um, maybe a little bit narrow, but I was like, it's fine. It, I know it's by A6. It should be exactly the same. I take it for a run. Uh, and, and at first it was okay. First mile, no problem. Second mile, though, man, it feels kind of tight around my arch. And this happens to me sometimes. My left foot is a little bit weird. Who knows? I don't know. Who knows? And... And I keep running on it. And then by mile three, I'm now starting to get a blister in my left foot. And I'm like, this is weird. Like, why am I getting a blister? It's the same freaking shoe I've been running on for the past two years or same brand. Why would it change? Why did they change the way that it's shaped around my foot? I don't get it. But I'm like, you know what? I just need to break it in. So I'm running some more. Every time I run, as soon as I get to mile like two and a half or two, start getting that blister again. Like, this is crappy. Maybe I'm tying my shoe wrong. So I tie my shoe a little bit different. You know, look up all the like how to do different, you know, um, lacing patterns. So I change it up. Go running. Nope, still mile two. Get the blister and my left, you know, arch hurts. 
And by the time I really figured out, you know what, this is probably not the shoe for me. Uh, you know, it had already been like two months or three months and I couldn't return the shoe at that point. So guess what, guys? Still running on this shoe that hurts my foot and I've had it since at least January. Oh, wow. That's uh, like the physical manifestation of my self-flagellating watching a show <laughs> I don't like. You're physically torturing yourself. Brian, is this, you your 30s are like? is this what your 30s are like? Is it, you just got to keep eating that shit. Just spoon it into your mouth, <laughs> taste it, and swallow. <laughs> Repeat. Like, I'm just watching a show I don't really like, and it's, like, tolerable. Like, a 6 out of 10 experience. Wesley is physically hurting himself. <laughs> Why don't you get another shoe player? <laughs> also, uh, they're expensive. I don't want to pay for more shoes. One I thing so, I've learned I, from the show is that Wes has really sensitive feet, man. Like, what's going on over there? You got to wear like orthopedics or something. <laughs> the prescription Bro, I am so scared of my mortality lately, like turning almost 30. And now I'm so much more just terrified of getting old. <laughs> just from that being the problems I'm faced in my life. I mean, you already act like an old dude. Yeah, first <laughs> yeah, of all, yeah. I don't. I mean, running hurts my lower back, so I never even try running. So I do applaud you for doing that. But God damn. <laughs> It's so dumb. I should have just gotten new shoes and bit the you bullet. You still can. I believe this is called the sunken cost fallacy. Yeah, except you're physically, you're physically wounding yourself. Yeah. If day one, the shoe didn't fit. Like, I got shoes I've worn, Wes, and I was like, oh, yeah, this don't really quite fit right. And then that was it. I just stopped wearing the shoe. Oh, I found someone to give it to. That's wasteful. I was like, hey, I Wesley, got this size 12. You want this? Cool. All right. You are a homeowner. That has two bathrooms, and double sinks. <laughs> he isn't hers. One of those bathrooms. Yeah, you can maybe get both. some shoes. You can get some shoes, buddy. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Maybe that'll be on the list for this weekend. With back to school coming up, so maybe I need to get some new shoes. So that's also, a pretty basic one. So I, I do want to hear from Brian next because yeah. there's one on this. You wrote a few things, which I do appreciate. There's, I think, either walk us through all of them, but I think we all know there's one, particularly me as a hype beast is already turning red over. <clears throat> and and I, I put it on my list for that reason. Um, but I, I will say there there's a distinction between with what Wes is going through and what Mike is is going through. Wes, uh, Mike is talking Wes about is just an idiot. other people <laughs> hyping him up and True. not True. wondering why he's not into something that other people are hyping him up for. Whereas you're... <laughs> You just got a problem with shoes. <laughs> um, but I, I do agree with Mike. Uh, I have, you know, I have, I've had a lot of problems with this. Uh, I'm with you on BoJack Horseman. You know, I, I'm, I'm a film guy. I love excruciating film experiences. I sat through a three and a half hour documentary about the New York Public Library where nothing happens. Like, that's the kind of shit that I'm into. I could not... For the life of me, get into BoJack. I tried multiple times, fell asleep multiple times. <laughs> it is not clicking. Same thing with uh, the the show Fleabag on Amazon Prime. Also, like a very lauded comedy show. I've had people tell me like, "Oh, it's perfect. It's so well written. the The actress is incredible, right? Like all these Emmy nominations and stuff." And I, I'm I'm a hype boy f for awards. <laughs> Uh, which says something about me. And so I'm like, ooh, a war is a golden statue. Like, no, that, that show me. sucks. I hate Fleabag. Um, as a child, as a child, people got me hyped up for Ren and Stimpy so hard. And like another show, I just couldn't, I couldn't get into it. I was like, 
Why is everybody into this crude humor? Why are there all these close-ups of boogers and stuff? Not, not for me. Um, but I think the one that Mike wanted to get to is a recent one. And something I've been hyped up because of you guys uh, who have plugged this game pretty pretty well on the show. And awards. And awards. And, let's and, be clear. And, and award-winning uh, and, and highly critically acclaimed thing. Another thing I'm really into is Metacritic. So if it's got a high <laughs> Metacritic score, I got a rager. Um, oh so Ghost, Ghost of Tsushima. Bleep that out. Ghost of Tsushima, uh, which uh, I've had for a few months now, and, and I, I haven't mentioned no it on idea. the show. I, yeah, you have. I haven't mentioned it on the show because I don't want to disappoint you guys. <laughs> Dude, I disappoint people on the <laughs> show guys, all the you time. You guys were really into it. Well, you know, I'm a people pleaser, Savannah. Yeah, Savannah, you, know, you are not people. a people pleaser. That's a different <laughs> You're a contrarian. Savannah's um, actively said, I refuse to feel <laughs> shame. So, Savannah's inner monologue is just those people (laughs) (laughs) and so with ghost of tsushima uh i i have played it uh i i understand what the hype is about you know it's it's you know it's got this like lush environment beautiful cinematics uh you know interesting combat and and it's and it's a samurai tale i'm i'm all about kurosawa and those those old school samurai movies but the game is just like slow and kind of mm-hmm. kind of boring and mm-hmm. uh i'm not into the characters and actually those cutscenes, they're they're always from really far away they they never zoom into anybody's face uh <laughs> for some reason and i, I think it, it's part of the thing that's like disconnecting the 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 game for me and you know i i just recently finished god of war finally and you know to go from like God of War yeah. to something like Ghost of Tsushima is just such a letdown. And I keep trying over and over to play it. And even Anna, who like sits next to me as I play, really loves the experiences. I was like, when when are we going to go back to to Tsushima? I want to see more <laughs> of Tsushima. I'm like, well, I want to play Super Mario instead because <laughs> that always delivers. And, uh, you know, it's just one of those things where, you know, you want to love something, but uh, you, you can't get over the wall. I appreciate the comparison to God of War because in God of War, like every second of that game is very intentional and like contributes to the bigger part of that story or just like the whole experience of that game there's so much nonsense in ghost of tsushima like the fact that the little birds pop up every two seconds to take you somewhere to get a meaningless headband and the kind of flat characters so i do get that i guess it just makes me sad because it's like that's some shit i feel like you would like it's so beautiful it's so cinematic so brian it definitely should be, but there's something lacking that I can't get past. Uh, so, you know, Brian, and again, I like the God of War comparison, too, because even the side quests in God of War that you don't have to do, you still get lots of dialogue and development between Kratos and Atreus, which that's why I like doing side quests in that game. Goes to Tsushima, you go to a village, talk to a woman, you think it's a cool thing. It's actually just a bandit that kills her dad. You kill him, and then that's it. And I'm like, oh, well, that yeah, wasn't exactly. interesting. They sold that as like a yeah. side quest, and that was like, I've had random encounters that were more dynamic i do think that (laughs) ghost of tsushima suffers and benefits from the same thing that makes red dead a good game because i think the criticisms are actually similar which is that something can be beautifully put together well crafted attention to detail and 
it's more of a piece of art than something that's fun to experience because those are two different things. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. that's the biggest difference between Ghost of Tsushima and Red Dead, though. Red Dead is just fun. It is fun to ride around and meet all these random characters and, and get into shenanigans and stuff and, you know, shoot up whatever. And I don't know. The funny Something thing is the it, combat... As a samurai. The combat in Red Dead is not that good. Like, the actual gunfighting is not that good, but everything else around it is phenomenal. Tsushima's the opposite, where the sword fighting is so cool, and then, like, everything else is just kind of plain. I mean, that's Rockstar Games. They've never had good combat, but what makes the games good is that they have good, just larger world that's fun to play in, even if it's not quality. But, sorry you feel that way, bro. But also, no, don't be sorry. I'm sorry. I wonder who's more upset, Brian or me? (laughs) it's a confluence there all right so that'll wrap up our new segment recurring segment mike hates and there was lots of cursing in that segment sorry to all you parents out there having to explain to your kid what a rager is all right so it's been a bit we're in between some shows right now we're actually in kind of a lull i'd say uh in terms of like our normal media content the marvel world the star wars world um sorry bad batch uh, and and so we thought we'd take a minute to just kind of like look back and, and as a, a big picture idea of the Marvel shows that have been put out on Disney Plus, right? I mean, this is something that's never really been tried in this very intentional high production way before um, by any of these like DC, you know, or or um, Marvel. I mean, I think maybe you could make the argument for like the Arrowverse, but the Arrowverse is such a lower like level of quality that it just doesn't. It's not. It's not even close, right? Um, and Marvel sort of done things with like the the on the ground folks, like Jessica Jones and Luke Cage, um, but those didn't. Those didn't maybe push the the whole like phase, you know, one, two, or three forward in the way that these these shows are doing. So we're gonna talk back. We also realized we didn't actually end up talking about the end of Loki. So real quick, um, I just wanted to hear your guys's takes. Uh, what's one thing you liked about Loki episode six um, and how that that series wrapped up for me it was totally Jonathan Major's performance I've never seen him before um, in any shows I didn't watch Lovecraft Lovecraft Country I, I thought it was wacky it was weird at first I was like oh I don't know if I like it but then he just like leaned into it and just had no inhibitions about being this weird wacky dude um, and and because of the way the ending happened spoiler alert for all of you who haven't seen it sorry about that uh, but not sorry like I'm wondering and I'm thinking we're probably going to see a totally different performance the next time we see him because we're going to see one of his variants. Um, so supposedly we're going to see him in Ant-Man 3, Quantumania. Um, so that's what I took away from it that was like really cool and fun. Just love seeing him like uh, live in his little castle space and, and eat up the the air in the room and just like really live in that in that um, I don't want to call it space, but just live in that character um, and really own it um, in a very different way than like Heath Ledger owns the Joker performance, but it feels that way. It's like he's just a hundred percent committed to like how he's playing this character, and I loved seeing him just like really lean into that. Mike, um, what do you think? What was what was good about Loki six? So I think Brian had the best kind of commentary on this, and it was so after you just go to him. Should yeah, I mean, I guess I kind of want to go last because I think my feelings about Loki are going to connect to kind of okay. what's next and what came before it. Bridando. I mean, you're absolutely right. Kang, Kang the Conqueror. They don't call him by name, 
No. Uh, but he sure sure as hell alludes to it, uh, and he's he's definitely Kang. And, and I was wrong; he's not Korean. Uh, he's actually black. <laughs> Even better. That's so not cool. Hot. What it's a not twist! The Fast and the Furious crossover there. <laughs> uh, no, and, and John. I mean, you're totally right. Jonathan Major's performance it is scene stealing. It's show stealing. Even. Um, he, he, great, great character actor through and through. Everything he's been in, he's he knocks it out of the park. And I'm so excited to see the other versions of Kang that start to invade the MCU. And and to me, it's like finally we get a really, really fun, delicious villain who who's just teeming with personality and character and and kind of off the wall. I think MCU has typically had this problem with a lot of their villains feeling very flat, um, whose motivations are neither here nor there, uh, and, and basically just serving as as mirrors to the the heroes that they fight against. But Rodan, the, the accuser, we're looking at you. Oh yeah, the- <laughs> like, well, like what a waste. But here we finally have Kang the Conqueror. He's you know we're going to be presented with many different personalities of this mm-hmm. guy. Um, different ambitions from the the, the various Kangs, and, and Jonathan Majors is is the actor that can pull it all off. Um, and, and so I'm just excited to see where the MCU takes this all. But I will say the same strength of of the end of Loki is also its biggest flaw uh, right. because they spend so much time setting up Kang. They they spend so much time just focusing on Jonathan Majors delivering this monologue, a villain monologue, you know, that that's like the worst comic book trope of all time. Uh, <laughs> and they're milking it. And, and he's doing a great job for what it is. However, to put that at the very climax mm-hmm. of our six episode arc in mm-hmm. which we've seen, we've seen this Loki, you know, go from, from, bottom all the way to the top where you know he's in love with sylvie to have it just be capped off by a new character entirely who eats up probably 20 minutes of the show while our two protagonists loki and sylvie just sit idly by listening to him with really no back and forth uh to offer in that conversation really no tete a tete uh, you, you know nothing that we've come to expect from loki really bubbles up in that episode uh, it, it, it that in itself was was hugely underwhelming and, and you know it does a disservice to to the time we spent uh, with Loki, which to me was was uh, an amazing show through and through up until the landing. We are confirmed. Wait, wait, wait! I have a joke. Why would you want your characters to be boob to boob, tet a tet? Why? What? Nice, nice try, Wes. What does nice. that even mean? What nice did you just try. say? Brian said that they would be tete a tete, which is head to head in French. But yes, explaining it, like, it more oh makes God. it funny. Tit to it tit. really so does, boop Wes. To boop. Right. You can't fix that in post. You cannot <laughs> fix that in post. Um, the I think one thing that makes this a little different is that the past two shows ended, and that was it. We are they have confirmed a second season of Loki, so we are going to kind of get to see them more. Um, but you know. I definitely agree with everything Brian said, and I think that'll connect to how I feel about the shows as a whole. But before that, Savon, what were your thoughts? Um, I mean, you were the coldest one on the show. Yeah, I mean, Jonathan Majors was good. I enjoyed him. It was a great setup for Kang. I enjoyed that 
But ultimately, to Brian's point, like the last episode just ended up being half of it was just an exposition dump. Like, let's just call it call it what it is. And I'm never really a fan of a show just ending with a long expedition exposition dump. I'm just not really into that. But again, Jonathan Major stole the show, and I'm looking forward to seeing him play Kang. But overall, the ending was kind of eh to me because. It was an exposition dump. I didn't really like Sylvie to begin with. And honestly, she just became less interesting as the show went on. So the conclusion with her, because at first I was like, oh, this is dope. And then literally each episode, I lost interest in her. The whole Loki-Sylvie thing, I was never into. So just all of those scenes to me just felt like wasted time. So I don't know. The ending was kind of right to me. I'm, I like honestly, it's funny because we're gonna get to this, but I preferred the setup more than the actual events that happened because I just wasn't really into. Yeah, I think I didn't really like the story that much. Not, not a problem. I, I, I think I see where you guys are coming from on that. I, for me personally, I loved every minute of it. There was nothing that I didn't like about. The ending, there's nothing I didn't really like about the show except maybe Ravona Rensselaer a little bit, like I mentioned um, a couple shows ago. Uh, so I just wanted to put that out there. For anybody listening who felt like it was great, you and me are in the same boat. These three guys, I guess, maybe we're in the wrong boat. Maybe they're in the right boat. Who knows? Um, so we wanted to zoom out. Disney and Marvel have had a chance now to put out three shows. Um, their first kind of foray into this idea of, well, let's expand the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe um, through, through television episodes, you know, an episodic storytelling. Um, I don't, I, I'd imagine some of that is like they're going to get more eyeballs. Some of that is like they're, they're giving their fr- uh, fans more of a way, us fans, more of a way to stay connected to the universe and keep it kind of front of mind. Um, it also gives them a chance to explore more in depth some of these uh, stories that they want to tell, characters that they want to highlight, and that way they can fold them into movies later on, sell more merch. You know, it's really all about selling the merch at the end of the day. Um, And I just want to know from you guys, now that we've sort of seen three of their efforts, right? We've seen WandaVision, we've seen um, Winter, sorry, Falcon, The Falcon, gotta say The Falcon, The Falcon and Winter Soldier, um, and... Uh, now we're finishing up with Loki here before we roll into the next few set of shows. Um, where do we stand? What do we think about this this kind of different um, effort of storytelling? Can I go first? Because I think the way I feel about this is also going to connect to the way I felt about the last Loki yeah. episode. So Brian said it, and I'm not going to reiterate it, but the last Loki episode almost wasn't even a Loki episode. For me, it solely serve the function of actually now seriously setting up the MCU as a whole. And I think for a lot of people, that's really what we thought um, the shows were going to be. Like a lot of people, even before the very first show, WandaVision came out, said like, oh, this is going to be an extended trailer for the Doctor Strange movie. So going into these shows, I really thought that it was going to be like really diving into like the lore and the side characters and then using that as an interesting way to set up everything else. Now I liked the last episode of Loki because I am interested in now I'm like really hyped for like, what is Kang going to do? What are all these different versions of Kang going to do? But that's only like really 20 minutes there. And then the very end of WandaVision that connect to anything at the end. So her like reading that book and now she's kind of ascended to this Scarlet Witch character, right? 
So the shows, especially Falcon and the Winter Soldier, besides like that serving as his origin story, largely didn't really do what I was hoping they would do and what I expected them to do, which was to like serve as like a jumping off point for the next phase of the movies. They did accomplish that at the end, but so much of what came before those like climaxes of the show didn't really accomplish that. Now, WandaVision, I think, was good. We all liked that story. They told it in a unique way, and we were bought into it. I think we can all agree Falcon and Winter Soldier didn't do as good a job with that. And then Loki was a whole story that kind of just got flipped on its head at the very end to now connect to the bigger picture of what's going on. So I, I guess like for me and everybody else, I'm, I'm feeling like is probably going to talk about a bit of Marvel fatigue and then especially kind of how the actual content of Marvel has um, kind of led to this fatigue, which is interesting. But overall, eh, eh, kind of. <laughs> is I it think, I mean, I think it's, it's, for me, I think it's still a little bit too early to tell if this is the best way for Marvel to tell its stories. Which is crazy because we have like 18 episodes. <laughs> like, yeah. There's not a shortage of content. Yeah. I, I think maybe it's possible that, you know, maybe they just quite haven't quite found the, the formula they need for television series, right? Like they know how to make really great movies now. Maybe they're still finding their feet on how to do television production. I think they've certainly taken a lot of risks. They've certainly put a lot of money behind it and hired really talented people. And when you hire talented people and you give them experience, like you're going to get good stuff. It just may not be the first effort that's always going to be like, you know, dropping the dropping the hammer on you. Sometimes it is right. And sometimes it's not. And I think that's okay. I think there's a real possibility, though, that we're getting into this like danger, not danger zone, but uh, this weird anti anti productivity here for them that. You know, I'm personally feeling a little bit like MCU, like you said, fatigued. We've gotten a new show every month, and I, I personally was hyped for that. I was really excited for that, but now I'm kind of like, I don't really want to watch Disney Plus right now because, like, I don't want to see Mandalorian or mm -hmm. uh, Marvel movies come across. Like, I want to go try something that's different and you know, just outside of that world and see new storytellers. So. I, I do think there's like a little bit of uh, a fine line that they're going to have to walk here of like not overwhelming us with so much MCU stuff that we don't have a chance to actually build up the anticipation and, mm -hmm. and get ready for the next thing. You know, we're used to seeing Marvel movies every what, maybe four months, six mm -hmm. months, something like that mm -hmm. at, at a normal pace. Um, but now there's no there's no breaks. I mean, the most time you're off from something Marvel is like three weeks. And then that makes like when it's not when the plot isn't directly driving to something or fall flat that kind of doubles that effect right because it's just like it's not even like oh well at least it's a movie like i waited a long time it's just you have constant shit thrown at your head and if it's not really engaging and cool and unique it very much can kind of fall by the wayside yeah we're sort of in this period of of glut right where we know we know superheroes we know the genre we've been doing this for for well over a decade at this point and we know the MCU style of it um you know all the jokey characters the the infighting but amongst teammates um all this stuff it it's it's almost as if the MCU has its own you know has its own uh array of tropes that they now have to constantly combat every time uh, a new piece of product comes out. 
And it, and so it's kind of surprising that we've gotten three MCU shows already in this year, and there's still two more to come. Like <laughs> Hawkeye, I, I'm so surprised to learn that it's coming in November. I was like, already? Um, <laughs> and, and we're getting Shang-Chi in September, and we're getting the Eternals in November. Um, so it, it's almost as and if... And what if, what if it's still coming? We're, we're getting I don't really count in, what if, in though. August. No, um, okay. Yeah, I kind of wonder if any of the uh, what if stories are going to tie into the MCU or not. I don't think so. Because um, there, I think there's a chance if any of those individual episodes, if one of the variant, prob- they're probably going to be considered like a variant type um, character. Yeah. If it hits well with audiences, they will find a way to tie it into something greater. Um, trust that. And and so you know, you know, we're we're constant. We're just like on the hamster wheel of the MCU, like you know, constantly just like trying to sip from the from the the water feeder uh that they keep giving to us um and and because they want to chain all these things together it's kind of a detriment to all the storytelling right like they can't they kind of can't tell new and interesting stories each time to keep us hooked because they're constantly setting up the next thing in, in, in each one of these tv shows um, you know, and, and I think Loki episode six is a great example of that, you know, Monica Rambo and like dang and Renslayer and all these dangling characters who, whose arcs never completed in their, in their seasons, you know, all this stuff is hanging in the air and it's like, Oh, you know, you know, why, why can't we just have like a nice unit of something, uh, mm-hmm. a, a TV show unto itself, unto a, of itself you know it doesn't necessarily need to uh you know portend to the big future that mcu has planned for you know years down the road and whatever like just tell it tell a good story i I think we're at that point in in all this superhero stuff that you know they have the room for that you know to to be interesting and unique might actually be not doing the the mcu thing uh you know and 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 going against the grain in that direction, um, you know, and and part of me, I, I just, you know, I long for the days of Daredevil on Netflix. You know that that was like such me a great too. Marvel Universe TV show. Jessica Jones, it was finite. Jessica Jones is also a big favorite. I mean, the only problems with those shows is that they were too long. They had too many episodes. But if they had the same budget that the current Disney Plus shows are getting, uh, with the you know the caliber of talent. Uh, but willing to do something in an isolated way uh, with only hints of the greater universe, uh, I think the product would be far better. So I just, I know Savan, you want to go. I was just going to comment on that part. So it seems to me like, and, and Mike was confused. I just typed in the chat. This is like the wag the dog situation. So there's a, it's a, it's a saying, right? The tail's wagging the dog that like in politics, it means like you're letting like polling data and, you know, whatever's like popular guide your decisions rather than doing what is right or setting up like the long-term like actually sound thing and so i think brian it sounds like your criticism is like it's becoming like too obvious that everything is sort of like setting up the next thing and that's actually determining story rather than telling a good story and kind of building naturally off of where that leads like sometimes they're sort of putting themselves into these boxes where they need to drop some hints. They need to drop in the Monica Rambo so that we can get to the next one. And it was like my criticism of like why Ahsoka was in that one episode 
uh, but then just left. Like, why, you know, why introduce this, like, cool character and have her do really cool things and then not bring her back at all in the show? And it's like, oh, because we want to set up the next show. It's like, well, but that didn't serve the story that we're currently watching. Is that sort of where you're going? Absolutely. That's yeah. where most of my disappointment, and Savon, you can close us out, but, like, just real quick, that's where most of my disappointment comes. Because I've said this a lot of times, you know, prior to the shows, was that what I thought Disney had finally gotten through their head is if you give like the creative control to people that are really passionate, they're going to make a good product and then that's going to sell really well. And it looks like that's what the Mandalorian did. Like that's what the end of the Clone Wars did. That's what Infinity War and Endgame certainly did. Like it, this now seems a lot more focus group driven and like a lot of just like business guys sitting around in an office, like writing an album or writing a show. You know what I mean? It, and that's where a lot of my heartbreak is for these shows is it does seem like we've taken a big step backwards in terms of giving creative control to people that are really passionate about these stories and letting them make the best product possible. All right. Well, that's interesting because I actually have a decent amount of pushback on some of that. With I think the biggest one is that, well, one, thinking about the recent shows, I, I agree with the general point about there maybe being a little bit of bloat. Like, that's not incorrect. I think, one, you just got to own, like, COVID messed up a lot of production and release schedules. And a bunch of these shows yeah. we know weren't coming out on the intended timeline. So, like, that is something that, and that having, that's having influences even now, right, of production schedules and even, like, Delta variant stuff. So, you can't ignore that that impacts all this and kind of use that to put this into context. Wear Very your mask, true. people. So Go get vaccinated. That, that's part of it. So I do try to keep that in mind when I'm harboring criticism about release dates because that messed over a bunch of people. I think your point about the shows spending too much time trying to set up for others, I really do think that that's kind of an overblown, a overblown complaint at this point, Like if I'm going to really be honest. And I think the point about... Going straight for the throat. And I think when it comes to self-contained stories, I think both of those things, if you actually look back, they're not as guilty of it as we think they are. And we talked about this in the pre-time before we started recording. I mentioned that Marvel has, since all their stuff has been coming out, has always inserted Easter eggs and references to other characters and other conflicts. Putting in a reference, in my opinion, doesn't really impact the larger writing of what that story was going to bring. This was my pushback, Wes, about your point about Ahsoka. You might have been disappointed to introduce her and didn't bring her back, but if she had been a one-off bit character, which was also a thing within The Mandalorian, that doesn't really take away from what she still had to contribute story-wise. So you can, like, there is a line of doing both, but I don't think we should assume just because we referenced something else that automatically meant that that would have impacted the larger story. Like WandaVision, again, great story. Did it do some setup for Multiverse of Madness? Sure. I don't think any of that impacted how the actual story went and what we got to see in the development. I think same happened with, honestly, Falcon Winter Soldier. Like those shows had flaws and things you could hold against them. I don't really think them tying into the larger world took away from the actual story they were trying to tell. You know, I think Ant-Man 2 was a self-contained story. Honestly, the Ant-Man movies are generally pretty self-contained a lot of the Thor movies were pretty self-contained. I think we overblow a, a a bit character or a post-credit scene as thinking, oh, that just took over the whole movie when a lot of these movies in a vacuum, you take that bit out, it doesn't change what you got. So I don't want us to just let ourselves be a victim of, oh, we see a trope and then just assume the worst in regards to what it could mean for something. That being said, 
they're going to have to iron out maybe the writing for some of these shows. And again, production affects this. But I do think the TV shows, and this is someone who prefers the TV style format to movie format just conceptually. Uh, these these actors just get more screen time. And we've gotten what? the best acting out of them since... like we've. I think we've gotten the best MCU performances out of the TV shows and the movies. I, got, I enjoyed seeing Anthony Mackie, Sebastian Stan, Elizabeth Olsen... Um, your boy who plays Vision, I'm forgetting the actor's name. Paul Bettany. Thank you. The Vision. Like, a bunch of those characters. Even Loki. Like, I'm, was I crazy about Loki as a whole? Eh, not really. That I love that he just got time to act? Hell yeah. And that's going to be the biggest advantage these TV shows have. They can iron out the writing and get better. But either way, let the actors act. Let them, let them work. Like, Don Cheeto's going to have a show. Don Cheeto's going to crush it because he's Don Cheeto. So if you give me more hours of time with Don Cheeto on the screen, I promise you that's going to be better than an hour and a half of him supporting another character. Like just Space Jam 2. I got a movie for you. So, you know, I don't know. It was something, I agree with some of y'all larger points, but, you know, don't, don't get, I don't think you should get too caught up in their character references stuff being a bad This thing. is not <laughs> how I was expecting this conversation to go. Just keeping it a buck fitting. It's cool. Hey, it goes, you know, it goes where it goes. I mean, you know, I do really like the idea of like Somen and Miso Ramen conceptually more than like the Tsukamen Ramen. So, you know, I really get that. Um, what? Brian, what, you got? what are you talking about today, man? <laughs> Wes, do you need to go eat? Or what like is going go on? Are you okay? Don't ever accuse me of being high. <laughs> um i will say though that savan was like i prefer the idea of tv conceptually more than movies i think it's a better format that's that's i think that's a fair why no i think it's very why look we don't have to go super hard in but at its core tv gives you more dialogue and more character development time i think an hour and a half constrains what you can get away with and it leads to things that i don't like about movies as a whole even though obviously they're great movies Wait till I tell you about three-hour-long Marvel movies. Because they (laughs) exist and will continue to exist. Oh, my God. All right, Brian, finish this out. I will say one thing I do very much agree with is that Don Cheadle is amazing. And if they even just did Don Cheadle as Iron Patriot in a room by himself for six episodes, (laughs) he would Like a one-man show? That'd be kind of cool. Maybe they should go into that. Well, he's getting a show. Go bold or go home, Marvel. He's getting a show, which I'm very excited for, so... Maybe I'll be disappointed. I mean, that, could, that there's a lot you could do with that character, and the man could act. So you know, no doubt about it. Should we close up there? Any last thoughts? I loved uh, it. You need to go eat something, drink some water. <laughs> I think that's my last thought. <laughs> Conceptually, I like the idea of ending the show. Y'all are not about to do this to me. <laughs> <laughs> this is not about to be a thing. All right. Let's end it there. Um, let us know what you think about our new recurring segment, Shit Mike Hates. I think I loved it. Socials, Instagram, Twitter, at confidently underscore pod. Um, Alexis, if you're listening uh, in about four or five months, when whenever you get to this episode, we need a social media manager. So feel free to hit me up. I'll give you the password and you can just take over for us. Don't forget to visit all of our sponsors. Um, you know, zennyoptical.com. Mm-hmm. You can get your uh, your glasses customized like uh like savan has captain vani on the side they didn't pay us anything savan just loves his his uh ho- turtle horn i don't know what do you call it shell horn something like that. tortoise what are you talking tortoise about shell. there we go just there we tortoise. go real endangered species stuff we've been doing this for a while now it's clearly you know, someone has drip and someone doesn't 
<laughs> I have no drip, guys. That's for sure. We're out of here. Have a great one. You have furniture. I've been here two years. Plastic oh, no, furniture. One year. one year. You have a you have furniture and a home and a wife and a dog. Yeah, yeah. But he also has two bathrooms. And two bathrooms. Never, never forget. Never double forget. sinks. I got double sinks. Oh, double his and hers sinks. looking at. Oh my god. Yeah. Y'all can brush each other's teeth in the morning and give each other affirmations and kisses <laughs> on the forehead. <laughs> <laughs> we need some. We need a. We need a musical hit for this one, man. It's. I think this is a good one for. Like, shit might hit. 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 yeah, like an <laughs> old game show type of vibe. Yeah. yeah.